Hi, and welcome to the Unique Perspective Show, broadcast live on Hakol Radio, powered by the Montanivasar. Every person, and in particular, every Jew, is special and unique in his or her own way, contributing to society with their very own flavor. My name is Yehuda Blonder, your show host, and I was born with a rare medical condition called familial dysautonomia, also known as FD. Growing up and overcoming multitudes of medical challenges shaped the person I am today, as well as gave me a rather unique perspective on life. On this show, we will be sitting down with amazing people with unique perspectives in life who will give us a glimpse into their lives and what makes them who they are. Come along with me for the ride on the Unique Perspective Show on Hako Radio. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Unique Perspective Show live on Hako Radio powered by Lamont Mivasar. On today's show, I am thrilled and honored to announce that we have the pleasure of having Ellie Beer on the show. Ellie grew up in Eretz Israel, the founder and president of United Hatzalah. Ellie's original idea for starting United Hatzalah was basically to save lives. This week's episode is in memory of Rafi Strauss, who is a dear friend of mine, who was nifter a week and a half ago. Rafal Yaakov Yisrael Ben Ron. Please help me in welcoming Ellie to the show. Welcome, Ellie, and how are you? I am doing great, Baruch Hashem. How are you? Baruch Hashem. So, first of all, Ellie, you, where did you grow up? I grew up in Yerushalayim. I was born and raised there. And uh, I was my, my whole life from there. Wow. But your parents came from America or they grew up also in Israel? My parents came from USA. They were born in New York. My father was from the Lower East Side. And my mother was from a place called East New York. Oh, wow. So, so really, you're like American-Israeli or you're like full-fledged Israel? Okay, so that's true. Israeli-American. Okay. Uh, did, what yeshivas did you go to growing up in Eretz Israel? I went to a lot of yeshivas. Okay. Because everyone wanted me, or everyone didn't want me. Either <laughs> one. Um, I went to, uh, I don't know, I would say one of the yeshivas I went to, which I enjoyed, was uh, Tor Or when I was, uh, for a while, I came for a while, went there. I went to um, uh, Basis Royal for a while. I'm talking about yeshivas that Americans would know. I went to, Karen Biavne for a while, short while, but uh, I really, I most of my life, I learned on my own. Oh wow! Meaning at home or in yeshiva, you learned at, at yourself. Okay, so if you read my book, I'll send you a book of mine called Ninety Seconds, or you get in every store, All right? And you'll see that I had a hard time when I grew up. I had a hard time in yeshiva. I didn't okay. do well. Okay. ADD, HDAD, maybe a little dyslexia and different things that I had a hard time learning. And the, the traditional way of teaching wasn't the right way for me. And I found myself graduating school in the age of 12. And I ended up working for my father. He had a bookstore, a farm store mm-hmm. in Baitogan in Yerushalayim. And I think I learned there more than I learned all the years in, in school. Wow. So, wow, that's amazing. Okay, so after yeshiva, whatever you did, um, you you tried joining Hatzalah. You did join Hatzalah. What, what exactly happened? So, well, when I was in yeshiva, as I say, I went to yeshiva. I used to go to yeshiva, you know, for some zdorin, you know, like okay. I didn't go full time because I worked for my father. As a young, in a young age, in this farm store. And I learned a lot from my father. Okay. My father taught me a lot. And I read a lot of books growing up while I was in this farm store. Right. So okay. I learned business there and I learned everything. But my passion was always, I always wanted to 
save lives. That's all I wanted to do. I grew up in a, as a kid in Yerushalayim. I saw a terrorist attack, a bus blow up. I was six years old when it happened. It was in Bayt Bagan. And uh, it was a terrible attack. Six people were killed, murdered. And uh, wow. over 50 people hurt. And I remember people screaming for help, and I couldn't help them. So growing up, that trauma of remembering what I saw was uh, chasing me, was hunting me all the time. And whenever I saw an ambulance in the street, I always said, I want to be in the ambulance helping people. I want to save people. So when I was 15 years old, I went to join an ambulance, and that's how it started. I was a very young volunteer. It was very, very young to join. Um, and I, I graduated the course, and I became like a first responder. Uh, I learned how to save people's lives. And then I realized being in the back of an ambulance that you don't save lives so easily. It looks okay. a lot easier when you study it. But when you actually get to this situation, you realize you don't save people. And, 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 I, and after a year and a half in the back of an ambulance, I realized that the reason you don't save lives is not because there is no way of saving. There is, but we get there too late. When you get to an emergency too late, you can bring someone back to life. Wow. And it's happened over and over and over. We used to get to emergencies. Sometimes it took us 20 minutes, 25 minutes to get to someone who was not breathing. We couldn't save them. And that's, this, that's the moment I realized after one and a half years or a year and a half volunteering in mm -hmm. an ambulance that something needs to be changed. The way okay. people get help is wrong completely wrong wow okay so for about 10 years you you had that back in the back of your mind <clears throat> that tragedy exactly i was you know i was thinking about it all the time about these six people who were killed murdered and i said maybe one of them could have been saved if i knew what to do if i was older and i said you know what one day I will be saving people. I said, I want to save people. And I used to go all the time to visit Yad Vashem. You ever been to Yad Vashem? I was there once. And I used to see that the Nazis, they killed so many Jews, millions and millions of Jews, six million Jews. And I said, if they had one Jew saved, how many of them, how many Jews lived after? One Jew saved from the war, from the Nazis, the, that Jew went and created a whole family and children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I said, I want to save one Jew. That's what I want to do. Wow. And, um, and I went to volunteer in an ambulance and I realized it's not so easy. And then we had an emergency call that changed my life. Okay. A seven-year-old boy who choked and his mother, wow. he choked from a hot dog. And we arrived to help this kid 21 minutes after the mother called. That's how long it took us to come with an ambulance. Wow. And we, when I arrived, I actually saw the kid on the floor completely blue. We started CPR on him. And a doctor runs into the house. He saw us come with the ambulance. He heard the ambulance, so he came to help us. And he said he's an emergency room doctor living across the street. And he said, I want to help. And he started working. And after 45 minutes of working on this child, he said there was nothing else we could do. Wow. And that moment was the worst moment for my life. It was the hardest moment of my life. I said, this kid could have been saved if the right. doctor would have arrived earlier. Wow. A hundred percent. So, wow. That's, that's pretty crazy. So, <clears throat> after a year and a half volunteering for Hatsala, uh, whatever it was. And it wasn't Hatsala. We didn't have Hatsala then. Right. What was it? It was Magenda um, Dome, the ambulance okay. union. And I was actually volunteering for them. And that's when I realized something else has to be done. We have to create Hatzalah in Israel. Okay. And, and what year was this? This was 1989. Wow. Before you were born. Way before I was born. <laughs> um, wow. So, so you started... So after volunteering from Magen David, you decided to start your own Hatzalah organization. How long did that take to, how long did that process take? 
And how did you come up with the name Ichur Hatzala? So the process was an interesting process. In the beginning, we called it Hatzala. Hatzala Yerushalayim. We were in Yerushalayim. We saw Hatzala Yerushalayim. And that's how we started, with 15 volunteers. We had incredible people that started. You know, they had a lot of different people. But it was very fast. It jumped from 15 to 30 to 50, 60. It was all in Yerushalayim. Then B'nai Barak started. And then other neighborhoods started. Harnov started right away. And everyone started on their own, more or less. Other cities, because it was just okay. it was a great idea. But many years later, in 2006, they had a very bad war in Israel. It was a Lebanese war. The Hezbollah have killed three Israeli soldiers what? on the border. <laughs> and it was exactly, we had a lot of tragedies going on. The Hezbollah attacked Israel. And they killed some of our soldiers. And we were, in Israel, devastated. And, of course, it led to a war. The war was called okay. the Second Lebanese War. And it was a very bad war. We, 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 we had a lot of casualties. A lot of people died. It was terrible. And I was up north with our volunteers. And I realized, looking at the missiles flying above my head, missiles, real missiles made by Iran. Wow. And these missiles were flying towards Haifa and towards other cities. And I said to myself, we need to have a cellar everywhere in Israel, no matter where. Every city, I'm going to build Hatzala. And okay. we're going to call it United Hatzala. We're going to unite all the Hatzalas under one, instead of having separate Hatzalas. Right. Separate one Hatzala. And it's very hard to unite Jews, you know? Very nice, mm-hmm. very hard. Yeah. But it was because we had a war with the, with the worst enemies of, of our Jewish nation. We, we went ahead and we we were able to unite everyone under one, and we call it Ichud Hatzalah, United Hatzalah. Now we unite 250 Hatzalahs all over Israel under one of them. Wow, wow. So once you started United Hatzalah and all that, how did, what was the turning point with the, how did you get to decide to do the unicycles? And what was, I mean, I know the point is to go quickly to cause, but, um, how did how did you think of getting unicycles? Well, we call it ambicycles. I meant ambicycles. Like ambulance, it's cycles. Now, okay. Um, the the idea of it started when I was stuck in an ambulance in traffic. Okay. Outside, of, I was inside traffic in an ambulance on the way to an emergency, and I see. A pizza delivery motorcycle passing us on the right. A, okay. a hamburger motorcycle passing us on the left. And we're stuck in traffic and they just disappeared. Wow. And I see this all the time. And I said to myself, listen, these guys on the motorcycles or Israeli soldiers who go make a few shekels, you know, um, delivering pizza. Okay. Why don't I go ahead and take a pizza delivery guy and 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 make this pizza delivery guy a hatzala guy. Okay. Myself, it makes sense. I said, if I have a choke, I'm calling for a pizza. I'm not calling for an ambulance. <laughs> okay. That's where the idea started. And I said, okay, wow. I have to go ahead. And I bought a few pizza car, pizza motorcycles, mm-hmm. and I turned it into ambulances. And I put a siren wow. on it. I put a, 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 a medical supplies. I put a defibrillator. Instead of delivering pizza, we deliver life. Wow. And, and able to shorten time from 17 minutes to two minutes. Wow. Three. Now, what's the average time on an ambicycle nowadays? An average time in an ambicycle to get to an emergency is under three minutes in a big, in a big area. Okay. And some smaller areas like B'nai Brock and stuff like that, under 90 seconds. Wow. Wow. So it, it must be expensive to do the ambicycles. Where, where do you find them? And, and how long does it take to build an actual ambicycle? So we, we get people to donate these ambicycles. People wow. actually donate um, money. It, it costs $36,000. And people will contact us and they say, we want to donate an ambicycle and put a name of our family 
Sometimes it's in, in memory of someone, in honor of someone. And we build it. It takes us around two or three months to build it. We take a motorcycle. We have to rebuild the whole electric system because we need a strong electric. We need to build a stronger body for the box, for the medical supplies. It actually, it actually um, it's, it's a process that we go through. But once when it's on the road, we do like a Hnasa Sefer Torah. We do a Hnasa motorcycle, ambicycle. Wow. Yeah, we do a dedication. And then we uh, we put it on the road. We give it to the volunteer. The volunteer drives it all the time wherever he goes, and the and the donor actually gets a report what that motorcycle did for. The wow. <clears throat> How many ambicycles does you know does Ichor Hatzalah have right now? Over a thousand ambicycles. Wow. Wow. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. care in the air. When you need urgent medical attention or transport, you deserve peace of mind. Based on the East Coast, ParaFlight is a full-service medical transport company dedicated to providing dependable, compassionate, and customized care and service to patients and medical teams worldwide. Founded by emergency medical professionals, we understand the sensitive, critical needs of medical teams, patients, and their families. We transport patients and teams from tertiary care facilities, hospital to hospital, or any other destination across the United States and beyond. Our team never compromises on safety or quality of care, following a patient-first, not profit-driven model of care. This ensures you get the exact customized medical transport solution you need. Check us out online at www.paraflight.aero. Call us today, 844 844- 538-1911 or send an email to info at paraflight.aero And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. Okay, so United Hatsalo is up and running. A couple years ago we had COVID. Now, I know, Ellie, you, you travel the world to demonstrate and to fundraise for Unite for Ikhratala um and for the ambicycles. And so a couple of years ago we had COVID. And Ellie I think was traveling and something you you caught COVID in Florida or something like, like that. What what like what exactly like you were just traveling, like through China. Where were you traveling that you unfortunately caught COVID? So well, I didn't fly to China. I was okay. in uh, in Washington D.C. Wow, for APAC. It was the beginning of March in two thousand and twenty, and then Purim came, middle okay. of winter, and I was in Florida by uh, uh, Shul. And everything was okay. I did. Uh, I heard Megillah. I was. I went to Suda's Purim, drinking some wine. Everything was nice, beautiful. And then, in the end of the Suda, I felt something wrong with me. No one really had COVID. We didn't know anyone in COVID. You heard it was starting here and there, but it wasn't like I didn't know anyone. And all of a sudden, I felt weird. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. I'm like something's wrong. I said, okay, maybe I have a cold, I have this, I have that. And then a few days later, I, I couldn't breathe. I had a hard time breathing. I was like, I'm breathing, but nothing is digesting, you know? And uh, after a few days, I went to the hospital. They had a doctor in Miami. His name is Dr. Zebi Newworth. He told me, you have to go to the hospital. I went to the hospital. I get there. They right away checked me and they said, you have serious COVID, very bad COVID. We have to take you into the ICU. The intensive care unit. And they put me in there. I was the first one in the intensive care unit. And they said after a few days, listen, your chances of survival are like very low, very, very, very low. We have to put you in a coma. We have to induce you into coma and put you on a ventilator. And I said, What do you mean? I'm I was like shocked. And they said, No, we have no choice. And 
And that was a very hard moment for me. I, I realized that I may not survive. I may die. I was only 46 years old then. Wow. I was like, what do I do now? Like, okay, I have to call my kids. I have to call my wife. Say goodbye. I call my wife, Kitty. I call my kids. Abigail, my, my daughter, Penina, Libby, Israel, and Adina. I said goodbye to everyone. Wow. I asked them to be good Jews. That's all I asked them. Be good, good Jews. Do chesed. Whenever someone asks you for, for a favor or something, do something good, no matter who they are. They need someone to help to schlep something. Someone needs help something. Never say no to chesed. And wow. my kids listened to me, and they were crying, of course. I couldn't talk. I was very I couldn't talk anymore. And the doctor says, we have very short time. We need to put you on a coma. Otherwise, your situation is going to get worse. You're going to get a heart attack. So they put me on a coma. They put me on a ventilator. And I asked everyone to dive into me and to do chesed for me. And I was out for a long time. I was, in a, I was not here. I was up in halfway up there. Wow. You woke up. Did you know where you were? Or When I woke up, I had no idea where I was. I forgot I was ever in Miami. Um, I was like, I was totally out of it. I didn't remember where I was. I was really out of things. I, I didn't know what was going on with me and anything. And um, it took me time to get back to myself. And I, uh, I actually, I was depressed very, very much because I realized after a while, you know, I woke up wearing a diaper. I couldn't walk. I lost the ability to, I didn't have any strength. I didn't, you know, laying down for over a month. And you lose all your all your ability to move, and I was uh, I was in a disability moment, and I couldn't even go to the bathroom on my own. So it was very very hard, and it, it took time. And don't forget, then no family members could visit you. It's not like I had a woke up at family. A lot of people are sick; they wake up with a family with them. I did not wake up with any family with me. Wow! But your family came to Florida to be with you, even though they couldn't be in the hospital. They they came to Florida or they travel. It was closed. The Israel was closed. The no airlines. Okay. They were they were locked down in Israel. I was in America. I was in Miami. They couldn't come, so I was alone. Wow. But, uh, so, I'm Israel with Davening, you know, people were Davening for me, and that's why yeah. I survived and people did chesed for me. Yeah. One of the biggest things out there was the news was when when you woke up, no one, no one was able to believe it from from my standpoint that Ali was able to wake up and and Baruch Hashem and get out. Once you get out, once you get, once you got out of the hospital, and you were able to go back to wherever you were staying in Florida, um, you had to get back to Israel somehow. But the world was shut down. So how did Ali Beer? Um, get back to Israel and um, how did you decide to ask Simcha Shein to fly with you? Okay, so when I woke up, there was no airlines, there was no there was no way of getting to Eretz Israel. I had a lot okay. of people who offered planes to fly me to Israel. A lot okay. of people. And I, I was I was embarrassed to take people's help and stuff. But I said, okay. One person was Sheldon Adelson. Okay. His wife, Miriam, she's a doctor. She's very close friends. And she, Miriam and her husband, were very, very moved from what happened to me. And they offered to send a plane to take me. But I needed a doctor. Wow. And I needed a paramedic. So when I knew I need a paramedic, the first thing in my mind was Simcha Shein. Wow. Who else could I take? Simcha is the number one chesed guy I know. I don't know anyone in America. I don't know anyone in America who's a paramedic who has bigger skills in chesed than Simcha. Wow. This is times that it's not like easy to get to Miami. It was very hard. There was no flights and it's not. I called Simcha Shein. And I called Dr. Zevi North. Two, two chesed. Okay. I needed a doctor and a paramedic. 
And guess what? They both right away said, yes, we're coming. We're coming with you. Wow. It's hard because they have to, you know, it's dangerous to fly to Israel. Mm -hmm. It's so scary, the whole situation. At a lockdown in Israel, and Simcha went ahead and he arranged all the necessary thing. Simcha flies. He's one of the biggest. He flies hundreds of people a month. 100%. With planes, with different things and everything. And he was able to do this. And uh, Baruch Hashem, I, I saw him in Miami when I, I was in the hospital. He comes and he walks me out with a stretcher. And, uh, and he's carrying all the medically brought a defibrillator, a big one, a monitor, and all these machines he brought. He has more experience flying patients than a lot of people I know. And uh, That is true. It's true. Yeah. He, and he took him and he, and he flew him to, uh, he flew me together with uh, Zevi North to Israel. And when we landed, I, didn't, I never even imagined what was happening. I don't know if you remember. I saw uh, what uh, what I saw was a ton of about a thousand ambulances, or, or maybe more, at the wherever you landed, just barricaded one after the other. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was um, it was an unbelievable situation. Where I see, I see, thousand volunteers of United Hatzala that were that were. Um, Waiting with ambicycles, with bicycles, with ambulances, with different vehicles, just to to welcome me. And I thought it was I was shocked. I, I didn't know what it was. I was in a little confused. I thought it was my own Levaya. Hey. And uh, and then Simcha and uh, and Zevik walk me down from the from the plane, and I see all my family there, and they give me a hug, and I can't believe my family's there, and. All the volunteers, unbelievable. Not all the volunteers in Israel, of course, because they had to save lives, but mm -hmm. they allowed only a thousand to come. So wow. Getting back to United Hatzalah for a second. So United Hatzalah has many different things that they do, and one of them is one of the units. I don't know if it's still around, but um, is a psychotrauma unit. What did they do, and if they still do it, what does it take to do it? So it's a very, very unique um, idea that United Hatzalah started. It's a, it's, a, it's a group of incredible professional people dedicated to help people, but not physically, but emotionally. Okay. So if Chaz Shalom something happens, let's say a trauma, like a Mayron trauma, or a car accident, or mm -hmm. a building collapse, or anything, a fire, Many people injured need Atzala medical people, but some people are emotionally injured. They are suffering okay. from, this, from, this, from a really, really emotional you know, injury, and they need someone to help them to prevent post-traumatic stress and other disorders. And they come, these professional volunteers, we have 700 volunteers like that in Eretz Yisrael. Wow. And they come to deal with the emotional trauma and know how to, and they know how to treat and they do an incredible job, and they are, I'm very, very proud of their work. Every day they go out, not only in big events, small events, someone has a tragedy, they need a, a psychotrauma help, they come right away. And this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'm very proud of them, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to you for asking about them. What's the average response time for the psychotrauma unit to a call? 15 minutes, which is unbelievable. That they is unbelievable. Lights and sirens. They come, you know, sometimes we, they do come with lights and sirens. It matters what it is. But we, we want them to come with 15 minutes to the call because they need medical treatment first. And then they take over for the emotional treatment. Wow. Okay. So after COVID and everything, we're still in lockdown, sort of. The, we, Israel had a terrible, another terrible tragedy. And that was the Mayron tragedy. If Ellie was in Mayron, then can Ellie um, explain to us what he exactly saw and the trauma for everyone that it happened to? What, what was it like? 
on my own tragedy, we had 300 Atzala volunteers there. Wow. United Ichud Atzala volunteers were every year for the last 20, 30 years. I remember 25, 30 years we were there. For every, mm-hmm. every year we saw miracles. Every year was a miracle by itself. Every year. It's such a small place, so crowded, so hot. So many passionate people want to be there and dance and touch the caver and come in to the Myra. It's like it becomes a mess every year. Okay. No one ever regulated the whole thing. No one ever, the government never really took care of it. It wasn't professionally, you know, it wasn't professionally run. And we were, we were in a situation where we saw every year that one or two people could have gotten killed. We had situations wow. where people died, nothing like this. And then we always said that this is something that could happen. And we always prepared ourselves every year to a disaster. We never expected this kind of a disaster, that, that this kind of a mega disaster. Wow. And um, we ended up um, that we had that day the worst ever human disaster in the, in the state of Israel. Um, and, you know, I've seen other big disasters like a wedding hall collapse, the Versailles wedding hall, I was there. But this one was the worst of the worst because these were all young people that came to celebrate a very special event. For everyone in Amisrael, Lag Bomer is a very special play day that we had a play. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, in one minute, 45 people died. Wow. And what was, what was like, what, why did it take so long for everyone to, like, get confirmation about their child or families, uh, unfortunately, didn't make it? What exactly went wrong, or if it didn't go wrong, but what, what exactly happened that it took for so long for people to get notified? Well, it matters a lot of, I, I don't want to get into details, because okay. it's a thing, but it was, some people were very hard to recognize because of okay. the magnitude of the situation. And it was a situation where people at the police in Israel had to for sure know it's a person. Can't okay. say, oh yeah, he's missing. Yeah, he's missing. It makes sense that it's, it's you have to have more evidence. Mm-hmm. So it took time to get all these evidence. Um, the police, in this, in the case of, in the case of after, yes, they have a lot of tightness against the police about how they handled the thing before. But after, it was handled more or less okay. Don't forget, no one was ready to deal with such a bad situation. This is not a regular situation. Right. So also to get 45 people died and to really find out the names of every single one. And a lot of people were going to hospitals. They didn't know where to go. It was a balagan. It was a mess. It was a disaster. It's not a regular situation. Yeah. Wow. Getting back to Simcha, how did Ellie Beer get to meet Simcha? And, and what was your first interaction with Simcha? Simcha comes a couple of times a year with special needs kids. He comes with kids who have hard time breathing, hard time, hard time uh, walking, and some of them are very in a very situ- very bad situation that they they need hatzala, right. they need with around hatzala. And okay. since many years ago, as a hatzala member in Lakewood, as a paramedic, he contacted me many years ago. He wanted to come with the kids to come visit hatzala. Right. And we hit it off. I, I, I met another good neshama. I don't know a lot of good neshamas like Simcha. He, has, he doesn't have a backbone, bad bone in his body, you know? 100%. And uh, when he contacted me, I, I said, sure, let's meet. And I loved him right away. And we became good friends. <clears throat> and um, we spent a lot of time together over the years. Uh, although he he lives in Lakewood, I live in Israel or in the plane. We always meet somehow once in a while, and uh, he's a, he's a good man. 
I think he, he told me a story once uh, during COVID that you called him up um, on a Tuesday or Wednesday and asked him, uh, simply, you want to come, you want to come to Israel for Shabbos? He's like, uh, today is Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't remember what he said. Like, yeah, okay, maybe. He's like, uh, he's like, Ellie told me, oh, your flight is in a half hour. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I booked you, you on a flight in a half hour. Pretty amazing during COVID. Yeah, I, I had to save someone's life. And Simcha was an expert about helping people with bad COVID. He had experience of that. And I, he was on the he was on the highway in uh, New Jersey somewhere in like the yeah. turnpike or something. And I call him up. He says, I said, where are you? He said, I'm in the turnpike. I said, okay, where are you going? He said, I'm going to my office. I said, okay, listen, go to the airport. I have someone else picking up your passport from your house. <laughs> and you have a flight in a half hour. Wow. You're in Israel to save someone's life. And that's what he did. Yeah. Wow. He's, he's so, a spontaneous lifesaver. He's a yeah. spontaneous lifesaver. It's, it's unbelievable what he does on a daily basis. You know, when you do chesed, a guy like Simcha, every Jew has to know one thing. The chiyuv of chesed is 24-7. It's not, oh, 100%. Day, twice a day, you know, I do it between 1 and 1.30 in the afternoon. That's my chesed time. No. A Jew must do chesed 24-7. Hundred percent. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. Is your computer running slower than molasses? Are you desperate to salvage important data from your hard drive? Let's face it, IT work can be a nightmare at times. Whether it entails virus removal, server or network setup, networking and cloud backup, or simple laptop and desktop ongoing IT support, AdventureTech. We understand how essential your systems are to your daily life, and we take the time to accurately diagnose every technical issue you're experiencing. Call us now for a consultation by dialing 347-603-0033 or shoot us an email to info at VentureTechComputers.com. And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. So, um, what made Ellie Beer write this book called 90 seconds and what is the book all about well the book is an incredible book i don't have it near me but okay it's called 90 seconds it's a beautiful orange book with like a hundred motorcycles behind me happy cycles wow and the book was written by nachman seltzer who wrote a lot of books and it was published by art scroll um okay. the book is about my life but my challenges, not only, look, I had a lot of challenges, difficulties. It's not like nothing came easy. Right. I, still have 100%. I still have problems. I still have many, many situations where I, as a human being, as a father, as a grandfather now, dealing with, as a, as a, as a president of a big organization, all the time we have challenges. It's not, okay, we're just laying down like this. And things are happening by itself. We have to deal with challenges and know how to deal with it and have siyata nishmaya. And this book is all about building the organization from a small group of 15 volunteers going through threats of ambulance unions. Magen David Adom did not like what we were doing. Okay. Ministry of Health didn't like what we were doing. They thought they should have one ambulance service, and that's it. Wow. Calls for help, they must wait for an ambulance. I said to them, what are you talking about? People wait 20 minutes for an ambulance, they die. They said, this is what it is. People wait for an ambulance, people wait for an ambulance. Sometimes they're lucky on coming two minutes, sometimes they're not lucky. I said, it wow. should be this way. We wow. should have when someone needs help, we must have help right away. And you can't have a monopoly when it comes to saving lives. We need to have... Okay. Competition is good for saving lives. And I, I build a competition. Could you imagine? I was 15 years old, 16 years old. I built That's a competition for the biggest ambulance service in Israel. The strongest union in Israel. 
They are so powerful, billions of dollars. And I came with an idea that changed the way life-saving is done in Israel. Wow. <clears throat> wow. They wanted to arrest me. They said, this guy is having motorcycles and ambulances. It's illegal. It shouldn't have this, this and that. And look at it today, Baruch Hashem. Every day we, we treat 2,000 people. Wow. Amazing. What's the, what's the craziest call that United Hatala has ever taken since its inception? Nah, it's a hard job. You just gave me, I have to find out of five and a half million calls, the craziest call. Well, I once went out to a call okay. of a kid who is unconscious in a daycare. Wow. Okay. Actually, a daycare in Marmot, where I live, it was a winter day. It was terrible weather. It was raining and also starting to snow. So roads were very slippery. A lot of accidents were happening. I get a call about a kid not breathing. And I run down the steps in my building. The steps were wet. And I wow. slipped down the steps. And I broke my leg. Ooh. Wow. I, I go on the Hatsala walkie-talkie. I said, I'm down. Someone else, else has to go. I can't respond. They said, listen, no one else is available. You're the only unit available because everyone else is busy in other calls. Please. I jumped on one leg, on my left leg, and I responded to a little boy who was unconscious. And I got there. It took me two minutes to get there. I was in a lot of pain. The kid was on the hands of a, the, the, the kid, a daycare uh, woman who was treating and taking care of him. She didn't know what to do, and she hands me over the baby who's not breathing blue. I started right. working on the baby in a lot of pain. I didn't feel the pain because I was thinking about the baby. And then two other volunteers arrived. I came over the baby, and I laid down. And that, and then I got to the, the ambulance came. They took the baby to the hospital. And then another ambulance came to take me to the hospital. Wow. I ended up in the same hospital. And then the doctor who treated me said, I want to show you something. He put a cast on my leg. He said, I want to take you upstairs. He takes me upstairs to the top floor of the hospital into the emergent, into the, into the, you know, pediatric department. And he says, Ellie, see this baby sleeping here? This baby is a baby you saved his life. The baby's alive, no brain damage. He's 100% okay. Wow. So on, a on a broken leg. On a broken leg. For a month, I was on a broken, on a, on a cast, but I knew that I saved a life. Wow. That is pretty crazy. Wow. Any plans for United Hatala to expand? I want to expand to every community in Eretz Yisrael. Have every street one volunteer, at least. Okay. My goal is to respond to 90 seconds everywhere in Israel. And wow. Eretz Yisrael is growing. More and more people are coming more children are born. I want to make sure we're always prepared. So we want to buy more ambicycles, train more volunteers, get more ambulances, help more people, no matter who they are. We help everyone, also non-Jews. Whenever they need help, we help them. And that's <clears throat> the beauty of this organization. What are the credentials to join United Hatsala and if, what's the training like? Well, someone who has a goodwill a good person, a good heart. That's the number one. You need a good heart. Okay. Someone has a good neshama. Second thing is, second thing is, um, they need to uh, be in a, in a in an area that we need them. Not everywhere we need some places. We have too many volunteers. Third, we need them to be available twenty four seven. If they're not available for us, when we we need them, we, we can't have someone who's 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 not available most of the day. So it has to be someone who's available, and the. The last thing is they have to go through a course, like a like an EMT course, which takes almost a year. Okay. And um, it's a 200-hour course. They don't do it in one shot. They do it over the year. Right. And um, once they finish the course, they, they have to join. They join with their own car. And then after a while, we see the ones who deserve it, they get an ambicycle. Not everyone gets an ambicycle. What are the credentials to get an ambicycle? So you need to live in an area that needs it. Some places don't need it. Like they don't have traffic. Got it. You know, and then the second thing is you need to be very active. 
you need to have a driving license for, for, uh, for a motorcycle license. You need to have experience. You need to have a good record of no violations in the road. This is very dangerous. So we have a lot of, we're very, we're very tough about who we give ambicycles to. Are people that, have, <clears throat> that are EMTs in New York, are they able to transfer their EMT license to United Hatzalah in Israel if they decide to move? Or, they, or it's a separate you know, course for EMT in Israel? So they have a program in America now. It's called NREMT, National Registry EMT. So that's easier. We could transfer that. Well, the little adjustments for a course. You do a test or whatever. But the regular EMTs are more of a problem. You need to have an NR, National Registry EMT, which is a little training is different. They do it computers, that whole thing. So if someone's thinking of making Aliyah coming, they should do an NR EMT. How, how can we how can we learn more about United Hats all? So thank and, you for asking that. And question. donate. Thank you. Um, so the way of learning about United Hats is really easy. I mean, you go on our website, IsraelRescue.org, uh, IsraelRescue.org, or on our social media, which is United Hatsala. We spell Hatsala a lot of ways of spelling Hatsala. Right. A T Z A L A H, United okay. of Israel. And uh, you could learn on social media a lot. You could see this podcast, this radio show. You could see this. Um, you could also go and donate on the website. We have a lot of ways of donating. You could donate an Ooh. oxygen tank. You could donate a defibrillator. You could donate an ambicycle. You could donate a motorcycle. You could donate, uh, sorry, an ambulance. There's a lot of things to donate directly to specific causes. Training a right. volunteer, training one volunteer for United Cell costs $10,000. Wow. Year of process. And the end of the training, we give from that, from that allocation of donation, we give a defibrillator, a trauma kit, a radio, walkie-talkie. And that's something that <clears throat> we, have to, uh, we have to do to train 700 people every year. So that's one of the goals when we raise money to train more and more volunteers to buy more ambicycles. Each ambicycle is $36,000. Um, it's, it's a very big cost. So, but every dollar counts. So people could don donate $10 or $100 or $18 or $180,000. Every dollar counts. Wow. And just to touch on one thing, how did you get to training the number 700 people a year? How did you get to that number? Well, we made a plan, a five-year plan. We also okay. have people leaving every year. We have a certain percentage leave every year. Uh, we have two and a half percent of the organization retire every year. When you say retire, what do you mean retire? Either people who are not capable to do this anymore because they're already older. You know, we have an 84-year-old volunteer. Wow. So that person has to retire. Or some people just have, they move for business, they move for whatever, they don't. So we, they retire because they can't, they're not active anymore. Two and a half percent a year. So we have to train new people. Also, the country grows. The population gets older. So you need more volunteers. Let's see. Give you an example. Modi'in. There's old young people once, 25 okay. years. They build Modi'in. It was young. Today, a lot of older people, so they need more attention. The city grows. A lot of calculations we put into research and development of the next five years of United Hatzalah. We need to train 700 people a year in order to be in our goal of 90 seconds. Wow. <clears throat> wow. That's pretty amazing. It's, it's pretty... What well, you guys... <clears throat> what you guys do on a daily basis is, is amazing. Thank you. Wow. Anyway, Ellie, I just wanted to say thank you for letting me interview you. Keep up and keep doing the great things that you do with United Atala on a daily basis. And we should just not, we should not need United Atala any longer with, with the becoming of Mashiach very quickly. So now we're in the nine days. I don't know when this is going to be broadcast. So relevant. Atzala, United Atzala, because the chesed that we do, Ahavas Yisrael, 
And I heard from Simcha Jain a lot of stories that he did, and, you know, with the Holocaust survivor, and then he, you know, he treated with the guy that was the potatoes. I will never forget it, that story of the potatoes. I must say that it's a pleasure and honor to be interviewed by you because you are one of the greatest interviewers I ever had. You asked the right questions. You did research. I want to say chapeau. You know what a chapeau is? No. Chapeau is like they say it's in, uh, I think it's a French word. Like okay. Cola Kavod. For your research, you asked the question. It's really nice. And you know how to, you're really a great interviewer. So thank, uh, good thank luck you. with this uh, show. And I hope you have a lot of listeners. And don't forget. I hope so too. I, I, don't forget. To tell everyone, and everyone is listening, to go buy the book, 90 Seconds. You can buy it on every bookstore or Amazon or Art Scroll, 90 Seconds, and it'll come the next day. And I want it to be the most inspiring book ever. It is, but you should read it and get inspired. I'm definitely going to get one. I, I, I want to read it. I'm definitely you heard get it from one. me. Now you heard it from me. Now I want you to read the book. I'm going to read it. I'm going to definitely read it. it it's from what I heard, people have told me it's it's quite an amazing book. So I really want to read it. I met a kid last week from Connecticut who came to okay. visit Israel, and his father said he wants to, he wrote me he wants to bring his son. Well, I said why? He said I said I'm busy. He said my son needs to meet you. He never read a book. He's 12 years old. He nine or 10, I don't remember. A young kid. He said he never read a book in his life. This is the first time he reads a book, and he reads it four times. He read the book. Wow. And he I, said, never read a book. So I said, okay, I'll meet him. And I met <laughs> Did you sign the book at least? I signed it, of course. So if you if you get it now, listen, go on Amazon. It comes to your house the next day. And I'll sign it when I see you. Okay. Ellie, thank you again. And have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have just listened to the latest episode of the Unique Perspective Show. Broadcasted live on Hako Radio, powered by the Munson Mavasser. The Unique Perspective Show is hosted by Yehuda Blonder, who can be contacted through Hako Radio by sending an email to info at hakoradio.com. This show and many others can be found in the Hako Radio archive system, on our website and mobile apps, and can also be found on all major podcasting services.